Well, good morning. I'm Doug Moss, one of the pastors here at St. John. And, uh, and as we kick off this new series, I want to start by doing something which maybe is a little predictable for the series that we're in. But I want to start by asking you to consider a Lego brick with me. I mean, this is it. This is a Lego brick. It's pretty simple, pretty obvious. Uh, and you might not know it from looking at this, but Legos are one of the most successful and popular and money-making toys in the entire planet. But you wouldn't know it looking at this because it's just a brick. It's not anything all that interesting or special in and of itself. No kid ever came running out saying, Mommy, Daddy, Santa gave me a Lego for Christmas. Right? Because Legos are not designed to be by themselves. They're designed to connect with other Legos. The, the joy, the delight, the specialness comes from finding ways to put them together in unique and powerful ways. The Lego is designed from the get-go to be for connecting to other Legos. And what I maintain this morning is that human beings are also designed innately for connection. That a human being by themselves is not the fullness of who or what they were created to be. And that is not necessarily a, an obvious or intuitive statement to make. So I want to back that up with a couple of, couple of thoughts. One is, let's go ahead and just start with the Bible. The Bible itself says that when God designed us, he designed us for connection. Uh, all the way in Genesis 2, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And this is important because this is before sin entered creation, right? So loneliness and isolation, these weren't just bad things that happened because of the fall. Like all the way while things were still good, God said a, a human being, uh, he's great, but it is not right. It is not good for him to be alone. We are designed by God from the dawn of time for connection. Now for some people, that's all well and good and you're with me from here on out. If God said it, great. For some people, it's not uh, as persuasive or compelling. So let me just make a few further points to bolster this case uh, that we are designed for connection. Let's look at what Ecclesiastes says. Just from a practical level, right, before we even get into design, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So just purely from a practical standpoint, it is better to have people connected to other people. You lose a job and you've got a support system and a network, then, then you can weather that tra tragedy harder than or better than other people might. If you're, if you're by yourself, though, and, and bad thing happens, you're in a car accident, you've got no one around you to help you in that moment, you're in trouble. We need connection just purely for practical reasons. But, but for me, the most compelling thing for all of this is just when I observe the world around us and I observe human nature, there are things in life that do not make sense unless we as human beings are innately designed for connection. I'll, I'll just share a few of these with you. Maybe you've noticed these too. The first one is sporting events. Do you guys realize this? These do not make sense. You know the best way for me to watch a football game is from my couch with my high-definition TV with beer that doesn't cost $9. <laughs> and, and this is very important for me at least, with my own bathroom that I can visit at any time I like. 
Why would anyone go to a football game? Why would you go to a stadium? It's hot. It's not air conditioned. It's crowded. You have to pay ridiculous amounts of money for beer and food. Uh, you can't even see that well because the field's all the way down there. You know, you're in the nosebleeds. Like, why would anyone choose the, this, this vastly inferior means of going and enjoying a sporting event if it weren't for the fact that there's something about being connected to other people, that, that ultimately watching a game by yourself does not fill the same need as enjoying an experience with thousands of like-minded people around you. We're designed for connection. Think about prisoners. If you're running a prison and you've got a prisoner that you really want to punish for some reason, what is the thing you do to that prisoner? Solitary confinement, right? Like you, you take them away uh, from people. And, like, that's, that's, the, that's the way you punish someone that, that reflects something about how we're designed. Or Here's one. This is, this is a current example. This house right here is for sale today in San Francisco. Now, I should clarify, not this whole house. The back quarter of this house is for sale in San Francisco. I don't know if you can see, there's a little door on the side around that door and and the apartment behind it, the last quarter of the house is for sale. That is a 385 square foot apartment. It's a studio apartment, which is code for zero legal bedrooms. It has one bathroom, 385 square feet. Guess how much you can buy that apartment for? Half a million dollars. $499,000 to buy a 385 square foot apartment with no bedroom. For that amount of money, you could buy this mansion, 6,000 square feet, four bedroom, five bath, four car garage on two acres of land. And you know why you can buy this mansion for half a million dollars? Because it's in rural Indiana. And no one wants to live in rural Indiana. Sorry, Hoosiers. I mean, it's the economy of, I mean, it's the economy, it's free market, right? If, if there's a reason you can buy so much more house in, in rural Indiana, but there's something about the way we're designed. People value living connected in the city where there's all this vibrancy and life and community going on, that they're willing to pay half a million dollars for 300 square feet. Uh, and, and, and they value that just as much as someone getting a 6,000 square foot mansion uh, in a rural place. We're designed for connection. Uh, one more example. This one is a statistic that Dion Garrett shared with me and it just really struck me as, as interesting. Uh, that the statistic is this, that when a man uh, has, has ended a marriage in some way, either, either their spouse died or they got divorced, no matter how badly or, or, or traumatically that marriage ended, men on average remarry within two and a half years of a previous marriage ending. Within two and a half years, uh, they they marry, no matter how badly it went. Women, on the other hand, on average, if they get married again, which many of them don't, uh, if they do, they wait nine years before they get married again. And there's a lot of speculation about why that is, but the main thing I think for today, especially as we celebrate the women in our congregation, is guys, we need them way more than they need us. (laughs) Yeah. So, so why would men do this, right? I mean, you, you see it in the tabloids all the time too. You know, these celebrities that are on their fourth and fifth marriage. You're like, why are you, are you that you know, foolish that you just keep repeating these mistakes? Or is it that we are just so innately hardwired for connection that we have to get connected one way or another? Uh, and, uh, and so as we, if this is true, if we as human beings are designed to be connected just like Lego bricks are designed to be connected to each other, then that's going to have implications on how we live our life and the choices that we make. And so as we kick off this conversation this morning about connection and what it looks like, I'd like to show you this interesting video uh, from Lego themselves. 
The Lego brick is an old invention by now. The first plastic brick was molded in 1949. Since then, thousands of new and unique Lego elements have been developed. Pick a Lego brick from a box today and it will fit with any brick that was molded decades ago. This is the result of great precision and commitment for more than 50 years. Did you catch that? Any brick made today would work with a brick made decades ago. My phone was three years old. It wouldn't connect with anything at all anymore now. <laughs> Finally to get a new phone. And yet one brick will connect with a brick from 70 years ago. You can take a, a Lego brick from any set, from a Star Wars set, and it'll connect with a Ninja Go set or a pirate set. It'll connect with any set. Uh, it doesn't matter where it was made. They have factories all around the world, in China and North America. And, and any factory uh, will, will connect with any other brick from any other factory. That's just mind-blowing. The only way that works is if there is a consistent principle, something that has united the, the Lego uh, company uh, for decades across continents. There's got to be a consistent means for connection. That's the only way you could have an amazing fact like that. And I think uh, in the same way, there is probably some consistent rule for connecting that we as human beings have as well. And, and my hypothesis is it's the laws and rules that we live by and abide by in society. You see, I, th I think in our culture, at least, there's this uh, idea that God gives us rules and laws because he's stern or he's mean or he just doesn't want anybody to have any fun. Um, but what I think makes more sense is that God, knowing that, we are, that he designed us for connection, that he knew that we would need principles by which we could connect with each other. And that's what laws are. They're the ways that we connect peacefully and well with the other human beings. That's what they're for. Here's the problem. By one estimate, there are 613 laws in the first five books of the Bible alone. 613. That is too many laws. I can't even remember 50 state capitals. I can't remember 613 laws. So there's got to be a way to simplify. I see this in my own life. Like my son, he's very curious these days. And he keeps asking me things that I have to make new rules based on the things he does. He says, Dad, can I play with the blender? And I'm like, nope, nope, that's a new rule. You cannot play with the blender. Okay, okay, how about the oven? Can I use the oven? Nope, can't use the oven. What about a butcher knife, Dad? Can I use the butcher knife? He's six. No, you cannot use the butcher knife. And, and eventually, the there, there's so many rules that I finally have to say, you know, you know what? Just nothing in the kitchen. You can touch nothing in the kitchen. Dad, what if I take the blender out of the kitchen? Then <laughs> we have to simplify the rules. There, there's too many, and, 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 and we've got to figure out what is the true guiding star? What is the rule that matters the most? Uh, the Pharisees themselves, they spent uh, their whole lives and careers debating amongst themselves which was the most important rule of the 613, right? Because they're trying to boil it down. They're trying to simplify. 
Uh, and, and that's how you know they didn't have cable back then because they would just spend their lives debating these laws. Which one's the best? But we do it today. Like, that's what all ethics problems ultimately are when you boil them down. Is an ethics problem is saying, hey, there's, there's two things that are good. Which one is more important? When you, when you hear about, oh, should you, should you rob a bakery to feed your family? Right? It's recognizing that sometimes laws are intention. And which law is more important? The law not to steal or the law to provide for your loved ones? You know, which one takes precedent? Uh, and if we could find what the one highest priority basic connecting principle is, which law mattered the most, I think that that would smooth out a lot of the connections that we have with each other. And it would be sure be nice if we were Lego bricks, because for a Lego brick, the basic connecting principle is really simple. It's just its dimensions. That's it. That's the rule that lets every Lego brick connect with every other Lego brick. Right? So it's one shot that just says, hey, as long as it's five millimeters here, three millimeters there, every brick is going to work with every other brick. Human beings, not so simple, sadly. We have had to wrestle with this. Every human society, every, every, since we were families and tribes, everyone has wrestled with what is the connecting principle that ultimately is the foundational one for us. It can't just be dimensions. We're all different shapes and sizes. So what is it going to be? And, and a really obvious place to start, even if you just look at the Ten Commandments themselves, right, if those are the most important ten laws, uh, you know, what, what, about, what about the very first commandment? And that would be that you'd say that the most important connecting principle is authority. If everyone would just respect and understand where they fit in in social structures and hierarchy, then we would get along great. And that's the first commandment, right? It's uh, saying, well, I'm I'm your God who made you and led you out of Egypt, so you should just do what I say. It's it's an authority principle. And yet, anyone uh, who has ever had an interaction with a child where you have said, you know, know, do this thing, and, and they say, well, why? You say, because I am your father, and I said so. How well does that go? It doesn't work. You you can claim authority all you want, but ultimately that's not going to be a strong enough reason uh, to be a connecting principle. And I see this even in my own life. I I, I don't know about you, but I'm, again, I do this for a living. My faith is the most important thing to me. Uh, But this idea that I would do something just because God said so, I mean, I, I see the bumper sticker. I don't think it's true, if I'm being honest with myself, that if I obey God, I obey him because I think that he's got good things for me if I obey him, right? I think that there's heaven waiting for me or that there's blessings in this earthly life. Uh, but just obeying God simply because he's God, I, I don't think I do it if I'm being honest with myself. And if we think about our own interactions with God, when you read the Bible and then you get to passages where, where it says, you know, Jesus says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. How many of us say, well, he has the authority to say it. Let's do it. I think we're pretty loath to, to fall back on this authority principle as well. And so what ends up happening is instead of it being a connecting principle that lasts, it actually degenerates into this connecting principle, which is power. If my son won't obey me because I am his father and he should, well, then he will obey me because I can spank him. That's the power principle. And anyone who's had a relationship with a boss or you've been a boss, you you recognize that this is the connecting principle at play in that relationship, right? You you don't necessarily respect your boss's authority, but you do respect the fact that they decide how much money you make uh, and whether you get to have that job in the first place. You see, they wield power over you, and that's the connecting principle. But this is not a great way to live either. This is harsh uh, and stern, and and it makes people feel devalued and, and, and worthless. 
uh, ultimately there's such an imbalance between the power dynamics that this is not a sustainable way to connect. So from there, we try to find a more positive way to connect, right? So, so we look at, and maybe here's a different connecting principle. How about this? Mutual benefit. How about this is the way human beings connect with each other? That, that quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, and, and from that, we're going to have a positive, enduring connection. Here's the problem. I think that this principle here is actually the reason behind the struggle that we see in marriage in our country for the last 70 years. Because I think if we're being honest with ourselves, most marriages are starting with this connecting principle. Because you've been dating and you like them and you're getting to see the best version of of the other person and and, and they make you feel good and and you like making them feel good and they like that you like making them feel good. And so you stand there at the altar and you say, let's just keep liking each other forever and, and we'll keep blessing each other and making each other feel good. And anyone who's been in it knows it doesn't last there comes this point where one of you has a rough week or a rough year and, and, and the other one's saying, I don't know what I'm getting out of this anymore. And if you're in the relationship for mutual benefit, that benefit will not be sustainable. There's going to come seasons where you're not getting what you had hoped to get. And if you don't have a more profound, deeper reason, then there's no reason not to move on to try and find the next relationship because maybe that one will benefit me more. Because uh, ultimately the rewards are inconsistent at best. Uh, as so many of us have just painfully and personally learned, even in our relationships. So then from there, if that isn't sustainable for a lifelong connection, then you settle for this. Uh, And you say, well, maybe I won't get a mutual benefit out of this, but what about just mutual protection, which is a fear-based relationship principle, which is saying, hey, maybe we aren't always going to like each other, but at least we'll help each other out. This is that practical reason from Ecclesiastes, right? Well, at least we'll help each other when when we fall down, or you'll you'll be there to protect me from the worst things. Uh, And in fact, you might recognize this. This is actually the connecting principle of our government. Now, in American government class, they called it uh, the system of checks and balances, right? But our founding fathers, they they looked at the philosophers and they said, well, you can't trust anybody. Uh, You can't actually count on anyone to be for you. So the the best you can do is build a connection, a society around this idea, well, let's at least limit the badness. And so this concept of checks and balances is saying, hey, we can't trust that a president might not be a terrible person who becomes a dictator. So we're going to provide some checks and balances with the Supreme Court and the Congress to keep the the danger limited. Or maybe the Congress is going to pass bad laws. So we're going to let people vote them in, vote them out, and have a Supreme Court to ultimately uphold whether the laws they pass are good. Our very government is built on this mutual protection. But here's the thing. As good as that might sound and as good as it was touted in your history class, it is ultimately fear-based. And fear is no way to live. We see it just even in Christianity. You know, as as Christianity becomes more and more an an American religion in our context, uh, it, it... brings in some of these principles. And what you see then is Christians uh, that connect with people and others, not so much out of positive reasons, but out of protection from the negative things. There are things that we're scared of and that we don't want to see happen in our country. And so then we make political alliances and, and things with people that are objectively not great, but at least they'll protect us. And it works as far as it goes, but it sets us up for a lot of bad things. It sets us up for claims that that we're hypocrites and that that we don't actually value the things that God says we're supposed to value. And and ultimately, it becomes a very despairing and hopeless way to live. I I had a member of this own congregation, uh, you know, tell me that I should I should not even want to have kids. Our society's gotten so bad. I don't want to live that way. And, and if that's ultimately the way we're living, fear and hopeless and despair, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better connecting principle for human beings. 
And so thankfully, one of these Pharisees that spent all of their lives debating the most important law, the most important connecting principle, finally got around to asking Jesus. So that brings us to our text for today. Uh, It's from Matthew chapter 22. You can follow along if you're with one of our pew Bibles. It's on page 990. Uh, And so, so just the setup that I've given you, this is a conundrum. This is something that every society, every person, every relationship has struggled with. How do we connect? And the Pharisees finally ask Jesus. So here we go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets, all of life hangs on these two commandments. And those two commandments had one common principle between them, which is love. This is the connecting principle that can last. And, and, and I got to tell you, doesn't it just seem perfect? It's Mother's Day. We're, we're celebrating uh, the women in our lives. And, and here it is, love. Uh, how great that this is the connecting principle that Jesus himself recommends. But I want to caution you uh, before, before we uh, kind of check out or, or think it's such an easy answer that, that there's a few things going on here that, that you might not recognize. And, and the first is that this is not by any means obvious. We're all benefiting from 2,000 years of human society that has been influenced by the things that Jesus taught. But, but if Jesus doesn't say this, this is not in any way an intuitive or obvious answer. No one before Jesus would have picked love as the foundation, founding principle. They would have said it's about power and it's the will. And, and even today, Friedrich Nietzsche you know, talks about you know, the only thing that matters is power. But Jesus says it's love. And then the second thing I want to caution you with this is this, is that just because the answer might be simple does not make it easy. This, to me, is the Lego conundrum. That simple does not equal easy. Uh, And to illustrate this truth, which I think is a profound one, I want to go back uh, to uh, this Lego concept and, and teach you a little bit about plastic injection molding. So check this out. Another very important aspect of mold design is the draft angle. If a part has walls that are exactly 90 degrees, it will be very difficult to eject because its inner walls will scrape the core half of the mold. Also, the vacuum will be difficult to break because air cannot readily enter. However, if the walls are slightly tapered, even just one or two degrees, it becomes much easier for the part to be removed because once the part moves slightly, the walls are no longer in contact with the core half and air can rush in. One impressive example of injection molding is the Lego brick. You can see the injection point in the middle of a stud, but this is not from a gate or a sprue. The Lego molds use hot runners. Hot runners are a heated distribution network. This keeps plastic inside the runners molten while the plastic in the mold solidifies. This leaves no gates or sprues to be removed. The molded bricks are ejected, ready to use. The downside is that this setup is more expensive than a traditional cold runner system. On the bottom edge of the brick, you can see ejector pin witness marks. And what's most clever to me is where Lego designs their draft angle. The outside of a Lego brick must be square. So if you cut a Lego brick in half, you can see that these inner supports are thicker at the top than at the bottom. There's a draft angle of about one and a half degrees. This helps the ejector pins push the brick off the mold. I think that's fascinating. (laughs) 
And it's not just because I'm a nerd. Uh, but have you thought about this? Do you realize there is no major competitor to Lego in the toy brick space? Right? Like, I mean, you can think about other competitors. Who's the competitor for Coke? You know, Pepsi, of course. Who's the competitor for Lego? Like, there, there aren't. Uh, there isn't one. And, uh, and it's because of this, what, what uh, Professor Bill Hammack is, is sharing here. It's really hard to do. As deceptively simple as a Lego brick is, you look at it, you don't think there's much there. That's really difficult. And no one has been able to replicate it. No one's been able to figure out another way to make a brick that can connect with every other brick that's ever been made. No, one, no one's figured that out. Uh, so just to this point, simple does not equal easy. And when it comes to our own relationship in this culture with the concept of love, I think what we see people saying is, is they look at love and they find that love is hard. And then we take that as a sign that the relationship then must be wrong. It must be the wrong friend, the wrong spouse, or there's something wrong with me. I, I've got problems. I'm, I'm too broken to be connected with other people. But what if that's not a sign that there's anything wrong with the connections that you are making? It's a sign that love is a very hard thing to do right. And as we reflect on that, I want to I go back to what Jesus said. See, he used this word love uh, to describe the most important connecting principle, but, but it wasn't, uh, it was very specific. It was this word. And, and if learning about engineering of plastic injection mold systems wasn't enough for you this morning, here, let's learn some Greek, okay? This is a Greek word, agapao, okay? Which is a specific Greek word for love. Now see, in English, we use one word and it covers a whole range of meanings, right? And we recognize that when someone says, I love my puppy, they mean it differently than I love my child, Unless you're my wife, in which case I'm a little worried that I think she means them the same. But right, but I love chocolate, or I love my sister, I love my parents, right? These are all different. They've got nuances. Uh, and, and in Greek, they had different words for all those things so that you knew which one that you meant. Uh, and one of the problems w- with that has been that, that we now, because we only have one word, we, we kind of lump them all together. And in fact, in our society, we've idealized and in fact made an idol out of romantic love. We, we've said the most important love is this romantic uh, love. And yet that's only one narrow slice uh, of the love possibilities that are out there. In fact, Paul, who wrote most of the wise, divine advice about relationships and connecting and love, was himself a single man. Uh, but he had depth and breadth of relationship that he understood love better than so many people. Romantic love is not the ideal. It is not the only uh, way to engage and connect with others. This is the love that matters. And so this agapao is what Jesus is describing. Uh, and so when we, if we go back to the list, see, this is not just, if we see this word love, we, we lump too many things in. We think it means you have to find a spouse or you have to find, uh, you know, you have to have a family. And yet it doesn't. What Jesus is describing is agapao, which is best translated self-sacrificial love. This is not a bumper sticker. This is not a, a nice, sweet-sounding Hallmark slogan, you know, love makes the world go round. Jesus is describing the very thing that he is willing to do for the sake of connecting with us. See, when he's giving this word to the Pharisees and to all of us, he's saying, as God, he tried for so many years to just stay up high and just try to communicate this connecting principle to us. You know, but it didn't work. You know, God can stand there and say, be excellent to each other. And we don't get it. 
And so finally, God said, fine, if if you're not understanding the self-sacrificial love is the way I designed you to be, is the only connecting principle that can last and fulfill us, then fine, I'll do it first. And so he sacrificed his own divinity. He, He left some of his innate nature behind so that he could enter into this mess with us, so that he could connect with all of us here on earth. And then when that wasn't enough to show us the Pharisees, they still don't get it. He finally said, do you not understand the cost? And he took it finally and sacrificed himself all the way to the point of his life on the cross. And he said, here, here's how I'm going to connect to you. Here's the mold I'm going to give you so that you are formed the way you need to be formed to connect. And the mold is self-sacrificial love. It will cost. You know how much one of those Lego molds, just the mold, not even the machine, not the robotics, the mold, just a, a hunk of metal, costs up to a quarter of a million dollars. The reason there's not a lot of competitors for Lego is not just because it's hard, it's because it costs so much to do right. And I know many of us are, are hopefully going out for brunch after this is done. And, and you're going to go and you're going to celebrate with family and all the connections that you have. But anyone who's doing that, you know that that didn't come without a cost. That you didn't just accidentally end up where everyone loves each other. You had to fight through and push through disagreements and life changes and arguments and you had to self-sacrifice. You had to give up your right to be right. You had to give up the needs or the preferences that you had for this other person. You had to sacrifice so many things for the sake of that brunch that's happening later today. Some of us aren't having that brunch. Some of us are not going to a place where we're surrounded with connections and it's because we have lived firsthand how much it costs to try to forge those connections that are true and valuable in the way we're designed to be. And I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to be real honest and vulnerable with you for a moment here. That, that There was a decade of my life, and, and this is not a joke, but that my theme song was Simon and Garfunkel's I Am a Rock. Some of you recognize that title, but if you don't, hear the lyrics of that song. It says things like, I have no need for friendship, because friendship causes pain. But a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. I spent 10 years living that as my life philosophy. I didn't want to need anybody. I didn't want to need friends. I didn't want to need my parents. Uh, I didn't want to need a a romantic partner. I I, I didn't have a lot of lengthy dating relationships because it was easier, it was safer uh, to break up with someone before it got too serious. And what I learned after 10 years of that theme was that Simon and Garfunkel were wrong. Rocks and islands do feel pain. Yes, they're spared the pain that comes from self-sacrificial love, but there's a deeper pain that comes from not living out the design that you were intended to have. If you try to use a Lego for a different purpose, it will not go well. Ask any kid who's tried to eat one. It's not what they're for. They're for connecting. And in the same way, we are not for being isolated and alone. It's not what we're for. And so if that's true, then whatever the cost is, it must be worth it. But that brings us right back to the Lego conundrum. It's a hard thing to say. But what I hope that you will find, which is what I have found, which is that the connection, when we are living the way God has designed us to live, which means that we are connecting with people rightly, but it also means that we are living self-sacrificially that we're giving up so many things and we are paying a cost that is high. 
It will bear fruit in our lives. It will make our existence meaningful and worthwhile. Yes, the cost is high, but the cost of not connecting is even higher. So I hope that you will join me and Dion Garrett and all of us here in the St. John community for the next few weeks as we grapple with this reality that it's tempting, it's easy, it's simple to just reject it, to try to live without meaningful and deep connections. But it's better and it's who we were made to be if we're willing to push through, pay the high cost and live the fullness of the way God designed us to be.